Welcome back, WNBA Nation. Kyle Haywood here, and I am joined by my good friend, Steve Schwartzman. How's it going, dude? I'm great. Squid Game reference. Now the show's relevant. Let's do it. <laughs> you know that hip show where the, there's the squids and they play. I don't know anything about Squid yeah, Game. Yeah, the squid, squids are playing games. Yeah. <laughs> it's apparently um, a lot more distressing than what I described. It's a creepy show, but... Steve, it's good to be back on the mic with you, dude. It has. It's actually been, I swear it's been almost two months since I've actually gotten on anything. Cause it's, it's, well, it's close to it. Cause it's finals time. Mm-hmm. And then just, we obviously took a bit of a break and then we had to have another break because obviously with you and your family in sickness and Logan needing to find places to refuge because of that and some yep. busy work and school stuff with Jason and I. You know, this traditionally this post WNBA season point in this, the year toward the end of the calendar year is always a a difficult time for us to get things resituated. But I think we're finally in a place where we can start seeing some consistency. We're not going to make any promises because yeah. that would just jinx us. But I, I think we're going to be in a place where <laughs> we're, we're going to start seeing more content. We're going to get back to the stream yeah. as is. Uh, and we're we're stoked for that. And, and just as this NCAA season is heating up, in a very fast way, uh, you know, I, you know, you're going to need to call, you know, cool off, have a Gatorade and isn't that <laughs> the best transition ever? <laughs> Speaking of Gatorade, oh! <laughs> hey, who said that? hold up, hold up. It sounds like we're professional podcasters this with, is the, like, with those types of transitions, wow. those types of transitions and, and the amount of, just expertise that we show on a regular Kyle, basis. Real talk Steve. right now. Real I talk just, right now. We should start a podcast. We we, we should, should start a podcast. We just like hang out it's, and talk about stuff. Yeah, we we should do that. Just funny. Um, <laughs> uh, Gatorade has signed their very first NCAA uh, student athlete, uh, officially signing Paige Beckers to an NIL. A contract where she will be working with them. And, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that the first student athlete to, um, sign with Gatorade is a women's basketball player. Yeah. Like that's so this huge. Is, this is like the they could have signed men's basketball at any level. Yeah. Uh, which is yes. awesome. Yeah. It's very and exciting. It could, yeah, it could have easily been, you know, a men's basketball could have been a football player, you know, any, anything like that. And yet here she is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's Paige, it's Paige Becker signing the NIL deal with Gatorade, um, which is pretty sweet. I don't know the, the details as far as like money and whatnot. Um, however, uh, from what, uh, her statement, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read uh, a quick little portion of the statement that she gave. Um, she says, uh, it was, it was a blessing to win Gatorade player of the year in high school. And now it's truly surreal to be an official member of the Gatorade family. I know this is just the beginning of our partnership and I can't wait to get to work with Gatorade to, to drive impact in the community and on the women's game, which makes me just really, really excited mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to hear that, that not only are they signing with her, but that a big 
portion of this is going to go toward uh, pushing the women's game and, and furthering women's basketball across the board. So um, that just got me really excited. Steve, what were you, your initial gut reactions when you when you saw this news come across? My uh, re- maybe Twitter or whatever it was. Honest, realistic first response, if I'm being 100% honest, is where does one buy a Gatorade Letterman jacket? Because uh, that <laughs> thing was fresh. Was so extremely fresh. fresh. Um. As far as its overall impact, I mean, it is huge. It, it, Paige, for one thing, and, and there are definitely a lot of people that are going to have opinions on specifically Paige getting the spotlight, and let's hope that this love spreads and isn't just kind of a one-shot deal to the recognizable stars of current times. And I totally get that, because I've had a lot of people call out, like, where's Leah Boston's opportunity? Well, you know, right. And I that is valid of a discussion. I will say that Paige, as an example, should be... A positive groundbreak because knowing that the WNBA salary structure is going to be a gradual improvement. It's not something that where it's set right now, it can it can peak just at a point. You're right. now looking at a player in Page Beckers that will potentially be pulling in a million dollars before she ever touches a WNBA jersey. And yeah. normally I'm not big on oh money is metrics, but that's that's a big deal. For an NIL, and I think it will not be the necessary stop to that investment. I think you're going to see that with a strong handful of players. And my hope is that we see an example of how easily you can invest to bridge the gap as far as that side of the world works in salaries and whatnot. So I think that that's a huge message right off the bat. I think the other piece to it. Um, it's, it's really going to be intriguing how this, I guess this necessary NIL structure works out because it's that idea of, I don't know if any of us really fully yet know what this all means. Right. Uh, like what are these people? Is it just advertising type of stuff, like promotional sponsorship? Is it, you know, what, what exactly is that going to entail for someone like Paige? But I think one big idea there is, you are now going to be able to put faces of women's basketball well in, I mean, you know, Gatorade is an organization that's very, very aggressively dedicated into supporting young players, youth basketball. And for her to be the first face of that means you're going to see those faces. You're going to inspire young people uh, to play the game. And because of that, I think it, it, like I said before, it can't be overstated. We need to see, honestly, some more black players as faces of that. So my hope is that we don't wait another year before the next best player in college, women's college basketball is given this opportunity. I'm hoping we're close to someone else, whether it's Leah Boston, whether it's Azzy Fudd, like whoever it is, because I think that that's an important piece to it. Um, just my opinion, but yeah, overall it's, it's exciting. It's very cool. It's very cool to hear a name like that. I, the, the level of companies that we've seen do this NIL thing have just been hysterical. I mean, everything from Gatorade, AT&T to like, you know, local Jimmy's, taco places. Yeah. Like yeah. Jimmy's, <laughs> Jimmy's turnip hut, you know, in Cincinnati yeah. or whatever, <laughs> you know, like it, all kinds of different organizations, groups. And so we, you know, all these 
all these tech and crypto companies. I still don't know what crypto is. I kind of don't want to know. Uh, and so it's, <laughs> it's been an interesting case for it, but I'm intrigued at the prospect of it. Uh, I would hope that it speaks to a larger value and a larger scale down the road. And I hope it's something that the WNBA as an organization is paying attention to and that I think you have a hand to be a little more aggressive in pushing for uh, bridging this gap that's needed bridging for quite a while. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, And that's where I think Paige makes a lot of sense. She's a big, huge name. She's marketed everywhere. Um, And I understand that some people actually turn that negatively. Paige has done nothing but promote like, and and do a great job representing what everybody wants her to represent when she's when she's put on the spot when she's you know in front of a microphone she says the right things she promotes the right right things and so uh i'm excited for what it means for for Paige to get this opportunity but also that yeah as you said i hope that this opens up a lot of opportunities for a lot of different players across the board um i think that your comments on it making an impact on potentially helping with players not having to go overseas as frequently. No, huge. I was about to make that same point. It's like page backers will never, may never have to play for, a, yeah. for UMMC may never have to go overseas. Can have a very to play for Dynamo Kursk or yeah. Like, yeah. like she, she may not have to do that. And I hope that she's just step one because where the WNBA may not be able to afford it quite yet, they might not be able to quite get the salaries to where they need to be to to keep players home. Maybe these types of opportunities, these sponsorship deals that can start in college can help out with that, can provide... Because, you know, these players enter into the WNBA unable to have made any money prior to this year. Everybody yeah. coming in, into the W this was it. This was, this was what you're making and, and you're starting out, you know, at the $50,000 range and yeah. in a lot of areas of the world or excuse me, of, of the country, that's just not really going to cut it. That's, that's tough. And, and so then you got to add a lot more on the sponsorships. And I think that seeing, you know, Gatorade, um, step into the space and as well as so many others into the college space, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that continues forward into the, yeah. In, and grows the women's game to where we're seeing more and more sponsorship opportunities my, in the WNBA. My hope is that a lot of coaches aren't Davos Sweeneying this and mm. are being supportive of this because supporting this actually is going to grow the women's game so much more because if you're, if we start to regularly see top level players, they may not all get the Gatorade contract, but a lot of them are going to have a cocktail of contracts of NAL contracts that are going to add up to a good amount of revenue. If we regularly see these top level players, these elite level players pulling in a six figure income, what you're going to see is players who regularly can play a traditional schedule. What that means is you can afford to expand the schedule and you can afford to promote that expanded schedule and an expanded playoffs. That opens you room to more easily expand the league as far as rosters and team and team number. So, if you want to go from 12 to 16, like you have that ability much easier when you're able to make this happen because you, you're just able to invest in bodies and health a lot more effectively with this in tow. And it's insane mm. because when you look at what Paige is pulling in and you look down those names, you know, look, what's Tarasi pulling in if this was an opportunity for her? 
what's Stewie pulling in? Elena Deladon pulling in. Asia Wilson just got a hero's welcome in San Fran- in uh, South Carolina at at a recent football game. Not you know you do your typical here's an alumni they wave everyone yeah Maya claps. Moore she was given like a gladiator esque roar from the crowd <laughs> she's a goddess unto a being on that campus what was Asia Wilson going to get for NIL contracts in the state of South Carolina alone and it's right. that idea of like those are players and a lot of that it's funny because I brought up a bunch of players that don't play overseas but like. Those are a lot of players that if they never had the worry of having to go overseas, worry about that offseason piece, could we have made this investment? Could we have made these changes a lot sooner, uh, potentially? Yeah. Because the, I I think that when I first heard this NIL situation rolling out, one big thought that I had was this is going to impact the women's game at a professional level in a much bigger way than people are realizing. It, it goes I well so. beyond money. And it really goes beyond like what these people are going to be able to promote in their day to day. And I'm a huge fan of that. On top of that, if in the off season, you're able to have traditional off season experiences, as opposed to having to go play somewhere else to play for a second team, the, you know, Paige Beckers launches her own Academy, you know, like these types of players down the road, when they hit a certain level of super duper stardom can open camps and, and put a higher investment into these programs. I mean, you look at some great WNBA players who supported the Mamba Academy in its time and were there to coach with, with, with Kobe Bryant and, and with that team and with those organizations. Now you may be able to see players who can just do it themselves and streamline the process of helping build accelerated programs for, for young girls in sports, not just in basketball. And so it'll be intriguing to see where it all lines up. Absolutely. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, NCAA women's ball, we've got some big games coming up. Before Boy, we do take we? a look back at, at some at some uh, prior results, I want to talk about what's going to be happening as uh, as we're recording this tomorrow. But as you are listening to this today, Thursday, December 2nd is potentially the biggest non-conference day of basketball uh, for this season. Mm. So I'm really excited to, to kind of just look at, and, and we get it primarily because of a, uh, of, of a conference challenge, basically. So this is a, uh, you know, there's, there's a few teams have already had like, you know, a couple of chances against top 25 teams, Stanford, uh, BYU, Oregon state have all played against multiple top 25 teams. Um, and, and that's been, you know, from some of these, uh, big tournaments that have been going on. However, we have uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge and the Big 12 SEC Challenge that uh, that are coming this week. And I'm really, really excited, especially for the Thursday games that are that are coming up, um, the, the December 2nd games. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just run through these really quick, Steve, before we uh, before we break any of them down. Uh, the first matchup of the day, uh, I believe starts at 4 p.m. Eastern time, number 15, Texas at number 17, Texas A&M. Not only a in-state rivalry, but a matchup of two, you know, top 20 teams. Texas A&M is seven and zero currently right now. Um, 
And, and Texas has had a couple of big wins, uh, especially against teams like Stanford. So that's a big game coming up. Uh, a couple other games, uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern time, we've got number two NC State at number six Indiana, as well as number 12 Michigan at number 10 Louisville. And then rounding out that night, as far as, uh, big names happening in this, in some of these, uh, challenges. We've got number nine, Iowa at Duke starting at 9 p.m. Eastern and number 14, Iowa State at LSU with Kim Mulkey, uh, being there, uh, at LSU. It's weird to see her, uh, with LSU as opposed to Baylor. Um, mm-hmm. that's been kind of a weird adjustment for me this season. <laughs> um, Steve, of those five games in particular, what one do you think is the number one must watch? The number one much must watch. Golly. Yeah, if you had to pick one, I know it's tough. Yeah. I mean, by numbers alone, NC State, Indiana is going to be pretty bonkers, especially because those are two styles of play that have really shown to complement each other really well. Um, mm-hmm. Indiana really took Stanford to the brink and could nearly be coming in, uh, could very nearly be coming into this one undefeated. NC State, unfortunately, had to play the juggernaut in game one and otherwise have just been comfortably cruising, including against Maryland, uh, which at the time was was a two-spot. You know, they pretty much stole the two-spot from Maryland. So it's really uh, – that's one that I think is, is exciting in that it's just two teams that have shown a lot of momentum. I think in terms of atmosphere, UT and A&M is probably going to be one of the more exciting matchups oh, the, I, because – like yeah, everything think, you just explained, it's an in-state rivalry, and now technically it's a it's a conference rivalry again. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, you're you're opening up just a whole bevy of exciting match, you know, exciting potential for that that matchup. So those definitely stood out to me in the loudest way. Um, but you know, I, I think another unspoken one on Sunday, I, it may not be the one you'd listed, or you might have. I'm not sure if I caught all the five correctly. Uh, you've got a UConn-Notre Dame matchup on Sunday. UConn's just getting mm-hmm. all their awesome matchups, all the, the traditional exciting matchups just out of the way. Just like, let's <laughs> let's just get through these quickly. Uh, but, you know, that's one that you're looking at a, a, you know, a top team versus a 24 seed, but at the same time, that's two teams that always seem to bring the best out of each other. Um yeah, I mean, all weekends full of great things. But if I had to pick one, I mean, it's, it, maybe it's a cheap answer. NC State Indiana is going to be a very no, fun matchup, and no, if agree. Indiana finds that's, that that's upset, you're suddenly talking about do they squeak their way as far as the top four uh, with that mm-hmm. win? And that's that's pretty pretty cool opportunities. Um, also, I've got to give a uh, uh, this is a weird one, but Oregon and the Portland Pilots, West Coast champs against Oregon. Who knows? <laughs> I do have another yeah, favorite. Can... I have another favorite matchup looming, but we can wait until later to talk about it. It's... So, so a big one for the for that those Thursday matchups for me is the Iowa Duke. I think a lot of people yeah. might not recognize this one right off. First of all, we haven't heard about Iowa for a little while because of they've had a lot of COVID come through their program. They haven't played in like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like it's been a while. Um, they're only four and oh, they've had to cancel a bunch of games. And then, um, but I think having an opportunity for them to go up against Duke in their first return game could, could be, 
you know, a, a pretty formidable opponent. Duke is six and zero. Oh. They're not ranked top twenty five because they haven't played anyone. They're six and zero, oh, but they haven't played like a soul. They're 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 they. So this provides Duke an opportunity to say, "Hey, we're going what? against a, a top ten team," and it's an opportunity for them to say, "Hey, we're going against a top ten team that might be rusty and coming off of a you know kind of a big break." This could be a huge opportunity for Duke to knock off uh, a, a big a big team in Iowa I, with you know a big time player like Caitlin Clark. In defense of Duke, uh, beating a six and two Alabama team, I think, is enough with this resume to at least squeak the twenty fifth seed. Or the twenty five spot at this point to twenty five spot, maybe right. not farther than that, but yeah, like this this should be a, a top twenty five matchup. Like I, the, the fact that Duke is just out of the running shouldn't give you like shy away from the fact this is essentially a top twenty five matchup. Duke is one oh, this this Iowa game because Duke goes Iowa, then they they get a respite against Penn, and then they've got South Carolina. So outside of those two matchups, yeah. <laughs> I still think they're in the running. Give them about five games, you'll see them in the top twenty four pretty comfortably. Notre Dame might right. squash that. Actually, I think if they, um, I think this could be good for Duke, even if this is just like a like a three or four point game could actually look good for Duke if they're up late. Yeah, and and Iowa comes back to beat them like like that could honestly do enough to push Duke forward in the votes. You know, there's still, I don't know. I think there's one, two, three. Four, five. So they're technically, if you went, if you continued the ratings down, they're down at thirty-one. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think that they really could have an opportunity to to do a little bit more, uh, do a little bit more damage here, as you were saying. Um, I think that they, I think they're a better team than they've shown so far, or, or that they've even had an opportunity to show yeah. so far. So I'm excited about that one. I think that one's going to be a bigger, uh, bigger game than. Some people may may give it credit for. I, I'd love yeah. to see Carol Lawson on the sidelines against you know a player it'll like Caitlin uh, Clark and it, it'd be good. Yeah, and seeing how Iowa bounces out of this because they jump right into a pretty rough test. They've got Duke, they've got the Spartans, then they've got number fourteen Iowa State. It's going mm. to be uh, an interesting road for them because if they manage to take those two games home. Then they face Iowa State, ranked ahead of Iowa State, and I, I'm sure that they would have something to say about that. Um, so next week is going to be a lot of fun if those two teams maintain their momentum. Granted, if Iowa maintains their momentum, it means they're not playing. So I, I'm incorrect when I say what I just said. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I just think we're th- these are January type matchups or maybe late December matchups uh, that you're seeing as far as like. Granted, these teams aren't in uh, all in the same conference and whatnot, but we're seeing very, very heated matchups very early in the season, and it's uh, you know very, very cool thing. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see. Uh, it's been a, a good season so far. Um, I know mm-hmm. bef- before. I know you've got a little segment that I, I that uh, I want to make sure that we we hit. Um, I'm assuming based on what. Well, not what, even a segment. Uh, some of the I games got, you were saying. I got one shout out. That we gotta we gotta hit because I because we, we always I think you and I enjoy um some deep dives into the roster or into the schedule. Yeah. What can we find? And often that's finding like two division two teams or something like that. Sometimes you see a name that you're like, what do I gotta do to find that one on television? Because this one's not currently <laughs> listed anywhere uh in the uh, that I can find. Maybe online on a streaming service, we'll see something like that. 
But man, you got seven and one, Stephen A. Austin. Uh, they're rolling pretty well. They're, you know, uh, you know, getting their footing. They took Texas A&M to the brink. They only lost by seven. Otherwise, they've looked pretty consistent. But but how what how are they going to withstand the challenge of the Saints of Our Lady of the Lake University? One of my absolute <laughs> favorite institutional names ever. I have Our Lady of the Lake. I forgot about them. You know, I, what I day is Texas this? For a while, this is the fourth. So that would be Saturday. Saturday. So right. you know, you're if you're watching Baylor, Mizzou, uh, and and need a bit of a you know, go go to like. Most likely Stephen A. Austin, you know, Stephen F. Austin's website or, or you know, who knows? OLLU might have something uh, and see if you can find a stream and, and cheer on those Saints, you know, unless you are a Lady Jacks fan, whatever you want to do there. But uh, that that's my small school call out of the week is is let's see. And if you're <laughs> a, a if you're a Saints uh, fan, you know, if you're an all you Saints fan or a, or a player or a coach or whatever, if you're just the account on Twitter, you're getting a shout out. Show us who's shown up for for that big matchup against the Lady Jacks. We know you can pull it off. It's been a uh, dominant year. I believe they've only won two games. So <laughs> excited to see what they can pull off. But that's my uh, <laughs> my small school shout out of the week. And if, I don't know if you have another one, but that's that's the one that gave me some some excitement. <clears throat> No, no. Primarily what I, I wanted to take a look at was some of the more recent results as well as the current top 25 rankings uh, with you and, and kind of see where, where those come mm-hmm. from. Um, I've got a question, Steve, Yo. about two teams in particular. Okay. Three teams. Three teams. I'm going to give you three teams, and I'm going to tell you which of these three teams you think is the best team right now. Son All right. gun. It's going to be tough. All right. No. So if you want to pull up your top 25, you, you know, we, we got it here. If you're not, <laughs> we've if, got the, if, fo- if you're not on the live stream right now, you don't know this, but I've been given no prep for this. Kyle's dropping his press zero prep. right now. I, I, so, yeah. If I so send, three teams, if, random, I, if I Gary Johnson this and send Goofy, my apologies in advance. <laughs> so first is Stanford. Mm-hmm. Second is Maryland. And third is Arizona. Stanford mm. is sitting at number four in the rankings. They're at five and two. Arizona is number seven. They are seven and zero. Oh. And Maryland is number eight at six and two. Prior to uh, prior to this week, they were sitting at number two overall at uh, after being starting off the season six and zero. Oh. I'm curious right now if you had to take one of those teams, who do you think? Is the team who do you think is the best team right now? Now or overall, like at the end of the year? um, However, you want to answer that. I'll leave that up to you. Today, right here, um, it sucks because a couple days ago I would have told you Maryland with no question. Whatsoever, <laughs> right? I would have very much been like, "That's the call." Um, That's why I kept them in it because they've had, yeah, because they were they were looking really good. They've played three top ten teams in a row. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, so my, do with that what, what you my will. gut to both questions of like now versus end of the year. It, it leans Stanford, 
simply mm-hmm. because of what we've seen. Um, you know, it's the, the classic case of, will they beat Maryland? So that seems like a natural call out there. Um, Maryland seems to be on a bit of a bounce. That's tough. I feel hesitant to give this straight to Arizona for two reasons. Yes, they beat Louisville to start off the year, mm-hmm. the second game of the year. Outside of that, we've really not seen that much of a of a challenge. I mean, the DePaul game mm-hmm. was 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 pretty tough, and DePaul is a tough opponent. Yeah, DePaul DePaul's one, and then Rutgers usually has a, a, some solid players, but it's Rutgers it's, is, it's an off year uh, for Rutgers. They're, I think they're that's not clear. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not good um, this year. Then they have a cancellation, and so heading into this next line of games, we're not we're not going to be seeing them again until the ninth. Until they, they mm. take North uh, North Dakota State, and that's you know hoping they remain healthy and and that momentum sticks there. So I'm hesitant to call it Arizona in that sense. Right now, I'd say pound for pound, Stanford's probably the top team. Also, I think they probably still have the most consistent roster uh, with you know Belibi finding your mojo, Jones and Jump are doing really well. Um, it, you know, the, it, Cameron Brink had a phenomenal night. Yeah, the other night. Brink looked really great. Um, you know, you've got the whole matchup, which is always intriguing. But I think right now, I probably would take the consistency of their roster, their one through six, seven against mm-hmm. either of those teams. The thing about Maryland is it just, it almost depends on the night because they could easily bounce back with a Miami win, probably with a Rutgers win, you know. I'm looking at that South Carolina game on the 12th and I'm thinking you've got three games in between that. If you find your mojo, I'm still not going to completely call out Maryland in that matchup. Most likely, obviously, but I, I think they still have the talent and the energy pace within them to make that happen. Right now I look at, at, you know, Stanford's lack of luck after a few games, you know, they lose to Texas early. They've got that you mm-hmm. you know, that UCF loss, but they bounce back. They beat number two, Maryland. I'm not very worried about what Stanford's putting out right now. Uh, I do have some concern about can Maryland more or less respond. And I'm wondering if Arizona's as good as their record says, because I just, who have they beat outside of, of course, right. outside of Louisville. I, I don't need Stanford fan being like, well, what about Louisville? That, that was a month ago at this point. Uh, you know, we're looking forward at their next ranked matchup. You're looking at the 19th against Texas. Then, of course, you've got USC. You're starting conference play after that. So USC, UCLA yeah. and company. But even then, you're not really looking at a high level team. I mean, UCLA can bounce back They're, pretty easily, but you're looking at Oregon State in January. You know, it's they may actually be able to kind of pad things a little bit. And then we'll see once we get into the heat of conference play, if they can maintain themselves, whereas Stanford Maryland have had a chance to test themselves outside of their conference a little bit more and, and show their, Agreed. show their metal a bit. <clears throat> Arizona, I think, um, right now is, is probably, yeah, they're, they're hurt because of their strength of schedule. Um, that being, that being the case, I mean, these schedules are primarily done well in advance of the season mm-hmm. and they're coming off, they're coming off a final four appearance. Then coming into a season seven and zero with wins against uh, Louisville, DePaul, um, and Vanderbilt, you know, which uh, Vanderbilt and DePaul aren't aren't total slouches. Um, no. But yeah, like they're uh, agreed. Like they've had one top ten matchup that they took care of. If they can take care of business against Texas, because I don't I don't really see North Dakota State, New Mexico, or Northern Arizona really 
giving much of a fit here. I think these are going to be primarily just how, tune-up games. How dare you disparage the great name of my NAU Jacks? How dare hey, you? I love the NAU Jacks just as much as the next person, but... How yeah. dare you <laughs> down-talk my 1-3 Northern Arizona Lumberjacks like that? <laughs> but I just... I, I think it's interesting that they just haven't had much off-season, like, or preseason, I should say. Out-of-conference play, I should say. Not and, and outside of out that... Of con- their out-of-conference schedule is really, really not great. Outside of that, you lost your player who kept you one basket from a national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're looking to balance out the leadership structure of your roster and things do look good. And, and the other side of it is their wins have been impressive. I mean, the Louisville is a two point game. You know, they played the six seat, the, the six best team in the nation at the time. Outside of that, your closest matchup is what to Paul. Other than that, yeah, pretty much we're, Vanderbilt, uh, I guess, was a two-point game. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I looked at that again. Yeah. I mixed my dyslexia. It was, I saw 48-68 because I mixed up the DePaul score. So Vandy was a close one. But for the most part, they've very comfortably made this happen. So they've been able to do this in short order. So it shows you that the, the beats are there. The talent's there. This team has, a, you know, is, is good by all metrics. There's no questioning what they can put together on the court that way. Um It'll just be interesting to see once those real conference tests start to happen, are they going to look like that Arizona team we just witnessed? Um, or is it going to take a minute or two for them to, to right. return to that level of prominence? Um, I'm excited. I, I still think that we've got a really solid, uh, I think the top three teams, I guess you could say. Right now, we're looking like uh, a solid number one seed right now. We've got South Carolina, NC State, and UConn. South Carolina sweeping all the first place votes as they should. They look absolutely phenomenal. Aliyah Boston um, just having a phenomenal season as well as many others. NC State is just that team. And we've mentioned this every season. NC State is the team nobody thinks about, nobody picks, and is somehow just always just they're just consistently a top level team and nobody gives them, nobody gives the pack the love that we're, they deserve. We're some, something about NC state being, and it's being in that flooded ACC with teams that tend yeah. to find their way to the top when all things are said and done. NC state's one of those teams. You're just a little hesitant to lean in on. It's like, is it time? If you look at a, and again, people hate this. So I apologize in advance. If you look at the men's basketball history, this was Villanova about a decade ago. Was right. is it time to finally call it? Like, can we finally say it's Villanova's chance? And they were good, and they were good, and they would be a, a one or two seed every year in the national tournament, and it never quite got there. And then, like the one year they were a top seed, and everyone was like, "I can't do it. I can't take a risk of Villanova." They they go they run it all the way, and then they do it again. And I think NC State's one of those teams that's they're on the cusp of making that type of noise. Louisville's another team like that. That, but there's something. It's interesting because Louisville, they're in the same conference, they have that same track record of being a top ten team and making noise in the in the conference. But what you just said is is full on because we talk about Louisville all the time, and, and nobody mentions. We NC hardly State. we we're like almost weirdly <laughs> hesitant to talk about the Wolfpack. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know if it's a flamboyance thing. I don't know if it's just their standing as 
a school in their conference altogether. Whereas, and what I mean by that is ACC across all sports, right? North Carolina is a name. Duke is a name. You know, you have Miami's a name and NC state's always kind of there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's really intriguing. I, I just wish I had an answer for you because they're a very, yeah, it's, very it's, fun team to watch. Um, this is, I think it's the first time we brought them up this season and they're the number two team in the AP poll. Well, technically tied. I should say they're tied for number two with UConn. Um, but UConn's only played four games. They're three and one. UConn's they're, uh, they beat USF, which is, you know, actually looking more and more impressive as the season goes on. Yeah. USF go wanna, Bulls all the way. You're going to want to um, be, you're going to want to beat USF. <laughs> If you have any chance, you're gonna want to. Yeah, they're, USF they're is one of the is harder. A, they're apparently uh, one of the harder W's in this entire country. So. This is a, that's a fantastic team. Their only loss was to South Carolina, which South Carolina really ran away with it in the second half. But because they're UConn, of course they're gonna stay towards the top. Um, and they don't really have much. They've got Notre Dame coming up uh, on. I think you mentioned that on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. That's gonna be on Fox Sports One. Um, and then after that. You know, it's 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 a lot of while before they start hitting teams like Louisville and and then the rest of their their season is pretty it's pretty minimal. They don't have a ton of like big name teams that they're going to be going up against on a regular basis. So it'll be I'm interested to see what happens with UConn. Obviously, there's some uh, there's two pieces of news surrounding Azzy Fudd um, today. One, she just recently signed with the Steph Curry brand, the SC30 brand, um, which is huge. Um, kind of, you know, going along with what we were talking about earlier with Gatorade and Paige. Um, so she just, she just landed that day, that deal with, uh, Steph Curry, but then also looks like she's going to be out for the next couple of weeks with what looks like p- could potentially be the start to a hairline fracture in her foot. Um, which you don't, any sports fan that's followed any sports for, and especially basketball for a significant amount of time, hairline fractures in the foot end careers. Yeah. And so if there, if the, if you can see uh, the beginning, like uh, maybe some evidence of this, mm-hmm. I don't care how long you sit out, you sit out and get that taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> a crack, a, a hairline fracture in that, in the lower extremity, it's, it's, it's a cracked windshield in that yeah. technically I can run on it. I can make it work for now. But a cracked windshield turns into a shattered windshield very quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. Or like a chip in the windshield turns into a crack really quickly. Like you you want that done because it doesn't take a hard bend. It takes an angle. You know, it takes just the right pressure in the right spot. Um, and you want to make that happen, especially as you get closer into conference play. And in UConn's case, quite honestly, tournament season, really. I, I mean, I feel like yeah. they're going to be able with that roster. I don't think a team with Kristen Williams, Nelson Adota, and Miss Gatorade Paige Beckers is very worried about how they're going to be able to adjust. But once we start hitting tournament play and they want to, you know, find yet another deep run in them, obviously FUD's going to be a huge player. But it's that idea of they luckily can afford with their depth to wait that out pretty much as far as they need to. And they just have no reason not mm-hmm. to. I would hate for them to have to do any red shirting in this case. I think that'd be dumb uh, unless it, this turns into a worse injury than we thought for some reason. Um, but yeah, there's, there are no necessary hurry to make that happen. So if we don't see her until even February, uh, I think, I just think that's smart. You might as well play that safely because that's, 
the next phase of your franchise. That's the next, you know, I, there's a thousand reasons why you don't want to go too heavily on that. Uh, and that injury, what you called on it is exactly that. I've seen, I've seen people do, you know, have that injury, hobble off. You're going, oh, that doesn't look good. Then they come right back out and you're like, oh, maybe they're fine. And then within a, another couple of games, the next thing you know, you don't see them for a season and a half. It's right. Wouldn't surprise me. So let's not do that. <clears throat> let's stay. Let's let's stay on this uh, this Yukon uh, theme that has come up a couple times. And uh, can we talk about Candace Parker's comments with uh, Gino <laughs> yeah, and USA Basketball? Let's chat about this because here's the thing: we uh, if if you come into women's basketball, it primarily NCAA women's basketball. People really do tend to fall in one of two camps. You are either pro Yukon, love Yukon, or you are hate Yukon through and through. And I think that the four of us land pretty squarely in the middle of that. We're not super pro Yukon and we're not against Yukon. We, we try to stay really unbiased when it comes to, uh, when it, when it comes to this, this team. And so, I think that because of that unique position that we have of we're not, you know, crazy one side or the other, um, it's been a really interesting, like, journey to kind of look at this whole USA basketball, uh, Candace Parker situation from a distance and finally getting a little bit of, uh, of some commentary, a little bit more clear from Candace recently. Um, Steve, I'm curious, what were your, what were your thoughts as far as how she broke down what her interactions were, her disappointments and, and her kind of attitude toward the whole USA basketball, Gino Ariyama, you know, situation as it took place initially. One thing I'll say on top of this, and I, I'm going to delicately point this out. Candace Parker is an expert level communicator. And what I mean by that is um, she has a me a way to deliver her thoughts in a way that uh, it's not just eloquence for eloquence sake. So I'm not just saying, you know, it's, it's coming in and, and smooth, smooth, big words. She knows how to deliver a message and a story in a way that helps you truly understand what it's feeling like. Like she can emote mm. that really well. And it goes beyond what she's saying. Uh, Candace interviews are ones that are like, you cannot just read the quote and never just read the quote, read the article. But with Candace, you got to read the article. You got to watch the video. You got to see the nonverbals. You got to see the facial expressions. Something I appreciated about what she pointed out. And, and by the way, I don't consider anything that was said as like a slam on Gino. Uh, and that's one thing is like, I don't see this as beef necessarily of this moment other than to say, I think this is just some, I really appreciate the honesty of it. It's just someone really being honest about the situation. It's refreshing as a sports fan who has to sit through the vapid workaround phrases all the time of what is that supposed to mean? Or that's what a publicist told you to say to just simply have someone ask Candace Parker, tell me about what's going on with Gino Ariyama. And she says, I don't like him. He doesn't like me. We don't like each other. It's honestly refreshing to hear that because guess what? That's life. That happens. You have people you don't get along with. And this is a different case of they've seemingly never had to necessarily work together. 
I think the only thing she said right. that may have come off as heat is to say, you know, she says, I'm of the philosophy of I can work with people I don't get along with. You know, it's that idea of like, I, if I don't like you, that's fine, but I can work with you. We can make a professional relationship happen. And in a way you can, you can construe that to say, she's saying Gino's not willing to do that. And I am, I don't know, but that's one thing that I appreciate about this is to say, like, I didn't come off of this being like, she's slamming Gino and saying what a terrible guy he is. I think it's her simply saying, listen, I don't like the dude. He doesn't like me. I think you can all understand why we don't like each other. Like, these are two teams. Yeah. I, I come from the place he probably hates the very most. And he has a great well, she deal. Did, of- she even threw yeah. some shade. She even threw a little bit of shade saying like, you know, he's used to having championships. He's, she says in my four years at Tennessee, they didn't get one. Yeah. You know, like, like, it's a, and, it's I, a and I appreciate that. In their, she, in she's like, history, she's yeah. like, I get why she's like, I get it. I get why he doesn't like me. I, I, and that's fine. Like, yeah. and I, I appreciate the I'm, honesty uh, behind it. I'm not a Grant Hill guy. And I only bring this up because I think it's a similar type of conversation. I'm not a Grant Hill guy, right? But Jalen Rose made a comment about Grant Hill during the Fab Five documentary. I don't know if you remember this. And Grant mm-hmm. Hill's one come, Grant Hill's one made, put out a statement. Um, and I won't go into like the, the context of what was said, but, this documentary is all about that, those Michigan Fab Five teams, right? And they make all the, you know, right. all this happens and all these, com- you know, it's, it's brash and it's interesting. So, so Jalen makes this comment naturally because he's a Michigan guy. And I think a lot of people were just like, Oh, there's a slam on Grant Hill. And Grant Hill to me won that argument, not with his, this long statement he gave where he talked about his frustration with that comment, but at the, the way he ended it, which was simply to say, like, I'm proud to be a Duke Blue Devil, and I'm proud to have never lost a game to the Fab Five Michigan Wolverines. That's how he ended that statement. And in my head, I go, there's no – Jalen Rose is a very well-spoken – He can, that guy can quip. He can come back. He can, he can decimate you. He's that type of dude. He has no comeback that beats that because ball don't lie. Candace Parker always has that for good. Whatever you want to do, right. you and Gino got the best opportunity. If 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 everything rumored is true, by the way, we don't want to immediately assume. But if everything that Gino did is assumedly a, a part of this beef or whatever you want to call it, if him withholding her from Olympic teams and and not helping her further her stardom that way plays any role in this, it's probably the closest anyone's come to doing this. But he, there's nothing he can do. To make up for the fact that she nullified your team, your, 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 and it was a very Yukon deep team is it was just pre Maya Moore, but it was a great team. And she put that to rest and dominated the game. You can't say no to that. I understand why it would be difficult to do business in that case. It would just be tough. And for sure, but, but to make it clear as well, this was a U.S. These were U.S. teams that went to gold medal consideration pretty much immediately with that question. If for some right. reason <clears throat> it's it's a much more competitive field of Olympic teams, this is the question I would have for Gino. If it's a much if if women's basketball in the Olympics is much more competitive, and there's other nations that have a talent roster that matches up to the U.S., you know, and and all of that conversation is happening, it. 
then at that point, can can you justify leaving Candace Parker off of your roster? It's one thing when you when well, you I drop don't think Candace you can, Parker because, but but it's one thing when you can move Candace Parker away, but you have Sylvia Fowles and Elena Deladon and Brittany Griner, and the list goes on and on and on. But if that shifts a little bit and the talent level is if every if more teams instead of one team having 12 all stars and other teams have one to two, if a handful of teams have six and you have six at that point, can you give me any justification for leaving her off? And that's where I think this is interesting, because there is a small part of me that says. Gino's a sly dude, maybe he could talk his way out of that. And that's what's it, that's what's <laughs> interesting might, to me. He, is that it's may, not, yeah. I'm not saying he would, but I wouldn't put it past him, and that's what makes this interesting to me. Right. I, I, I found this really interesting. I looked it up since from the year 2000 to 2004. Connecticut won four out of five championships. Candace Parker uh, started in the fall of 2004, so the 2005 championship. Um, at Tennessee, Baylor won in 2005, Maryland won in 2006, and then Tennessee went back to back in 07, 08. As soon as Candace Parker's out of the picture, Connecticut goes back to back seasons undefeated 39 and 0, winning the title. So if I'm Candace, of course I'm bringing that up in this interview. So some people that were like, oh, she didn't, you know, like she's, she's the one bringing up the heat. If I'm Candace, Sure. (laughs) Kind of like what you said about the Grant Hill comment. Now, here's the thing. Um, I, I, I think that a lot of people have found their, you know, I think Candace Parker is a little bit of a polarizing figure. And I think Connecticut or UConn women's basketball is also a polarizing figure. Most people will find themselves on one or the other side of that. Um, we've got a whole slew of, uh, uh, like, South Carolina and Stanford fans here listening that are like, what? Who cares? You know, but at this point, uh, you know, for a huge portion of, of women's basketball history, these, these have been two really polarizing figures. And so it's kind of fun to be in between these, you know, in between these two and be, you know, not really being a super, you know, not siding with one way or the other and being able to just hear commentary from it. And so um, and I understand why she's like, listen, we, you're expected to just, I, th- I think what she, what she brought up about the women's game, how they were expected to drop everything and go to every single mini camp, every single little off, you know, little game here and there, where as on the men's side of things, you weren't seeing that from Kobe. You weren't mm-hmm. seeing that from LeBron. In fact, the USA men's basketball team, Currently doesn't even hold most like all stars. Like, like they're like the USA men's basketball team is most of the big names don't go. And, and so, you know, she's kind of bringing this point up. Like we were expected to do drop it at the, at the drop of a hat, go do everything. And she's like, and I was out there scoring, you know, near triple, triple doubles and, mm-hmm. and performing well. And then to go through all that and then not be able to go and have an opportunity to represent my country and, and get a gold medal Like it's a guaranteed gold medal at this point. And she's like, for me to do all of that and then get cut she says was, it basically it boiled down to, she was taking, she felt like her time away from her daughter was not worth it. 
Yeah. And I can see where that bitterness could come from. And I can see why Gino's like, listen, I don't want to work with her. Yeah. I, I, I get, I get both sides of it. Uh, and so it was just fun to, it was fun to hear. Yeah. And, and I'm in glad our, we had in a chance our w to talk history, about it. uh, chronicle of 2008 with Candace. We also talk about the fact that Candace randomly saw heavily reduced minutes on Team USA for seemingly no reason. Like there's really not a strong case for why all of a sudden is she pulling in single digit minutes uh with this squad right. and it and it was really intriguing to fly you know to go through the you know her relationship was far beyond just 2016 to now there were a lot of frustrations even then when she was seemingly the face of the league the face of the game and still not seemingly pulling in that respect and i mean if you flipped this in modern day if don staley keeps brianna stewart off of the Olympic team. And there's a place I'm not, and I disagree with what I'm literally about to say, but there's a place to make that argument. And she has an injury past. Maybe we don't want to take that risk. We move, we have another group of talented bigs. So we're going to go with somebody else. Yeah. yeah. But like, like that could happen, but there's just not that, <laughs> but, but it's that idea of like, is Yukon fan going to take other fans saying quit whining well no absolutely not that like i'm not a yukon fan and that would piss me because it's that idea you easily can make that summarization of like oh is don staley throwing shade at yukon is throwing shade at stewie like it's that idea of like if that were to happen would that happen it's it's uh if you know it's a hard it's hard because it's difficult to make that but like if uh <clears throat> if uh, Cheryl Reeve did this to, you know, she's the other coach who probably is in that same like pub, like public discussion with Candace and NECA mm-hmm. because of her being the Lynx coach and they played for the Sparks for so long. If that happens with like Cheryl, do we see it as the same discussion? And I think one of the biggest differences is you palpably see the impact that Candace Parker alone made against an entire UConn organization. Cause we're not just talking about a player who kept a team from winning championship for four years. Also two of the most iconic and statement making dunks. If you want to have the dunk conversation in the history of the women's side of basketball, Candace did on a UConn court. I just, oh. it's one of those things of like, this goes, <laughs> this is so much more than just like, oh, there's a lot of layers to this. Yeah. And that bugs me because it's clearly like, I wanted to be her so bad. Like, you, like, you can see where all of that festers in real time. And here's the thing yeah. I don't, again, I don't think Candace said anything that means like there's new beef to stir up. I think she's just very upfront and saying we're obviously two people who don't like each other. That's okay. That's going to happen. These two people do not like each other. We all have, you know, I have in-laws I don't get along with. I'm willing to say not my best friends. If their car breaks down, I'll happily come help them. That's family. If he wants to work with me, we'll talk about it. But I don't like him and he doesn't like me. I don't think that's necessarily generally stirring up beef. But I'll say this. Well-paced, well-cooked, not overdone beef is good for the growth of a, of a sport. <laughs> it actually can be good because it's something that shows 
this is how invested these two people are in this game. This is how much it matters to them. If basketball as a whole is taken out of the equation, there's no passion here. And while over-publicizing and over-hyping beef uh, to turn the sport into a soap opera like the NBA likes to do, like the MNBA likes to do, that's one side of it. But this is a case where I go, I actually love this because it's it's making people have real conversations about this league. And naturally, that popularity is there. So I I like it. And I don't think it's it's a huge sting thing. Um, and it's just a great video. It's one of the best five-minute interview clips I've seen from an athlete in a good while. It's like I said, master communicator. I could well, I've I've watched that video just like on my feed with no audio on, just her facial expressions, and you're just like you can sense everything that she's saying. She's so good at relaying that. It's it's why she's the human that can handle Shaq on live television on TNT. <laughs> it's, she has the ability to she handles it. Shaq better than anyone <laughs> she, my favorite quote from that interview wasn't even the Gina one she was, it was her talking about Shaq when she was like he's talking and I'm looking at D Wade and we both are like do you want to engage right now that line killed me like do you want to engage right now <laughs> I just love that you know it's that classic fearlessness and I just it's such a that, that whole interview is great um we are uh, we're just about out of time here, Steve. But this has been it's been fun to just talk basketball. I, I feel like we didn't really have any like major topics, but we kind of just went. You know, we, we started mm-hmm. in with bat with uh, college basketball, ending with that that Parker interview. Um, I just I've loved being back on, Mike. I think this is this is, uh, uh, is going to be a fun episode to go yes. back and listen to. Absolutely. Um, we've got plenty more to talk about, by the way. So much. And, uh, I'm excited to hop back on my, I want to, uh, here in the next, uh, episode or two, I want to make sure we talk about some of the things like the Atlanta dream. There's so much that could be coming down the pipeline for the Atlanta dream this off season. I'm really, really excited to, to talk about what could be happening mm-hmm. with them. Um, everything from, you know, GM, new coach, three players not returning like and three big time like big name players not returning to their like this could be an opportunity to for Atlanta to have a complete rebrand and I'm not talking like logos I'm talking identity as a team and and I think that would be a, a fun discussion to have um we potentially hopefully have some lottery discussions coming up uh and and, and WNBA draft news coming down the pipeline cross your fingers um but overall uh, we've got a ton coming up. Free agency off, you know, the off season free agency, uh, is, is going to be here before we realize it, as well as plenty of other NCAA women's basketball, uh, discussions as that continues on. Um, make sure as you're listening to this, make sure that you are ready to watch all of the big games going on tonight, December 2nd, as you're listening to this, as well as the others that are coming this weekend. Um, plenty of NCAA basketball to be watching. Um, Steve, before we sign off, do you want to let everybody know the best way that they can uh, get in contact with us and and how they can interact with us on a regular basis? Absolutely. Head over to Twitter, at WNBA Nation Pod. Uh, you can head over to Likewise on Facebook. Of course, if you're listening to this on the pod feed, but you want the live experience, check us out at the Twitch. Uh, we uh, generally live stream twice a week. We try to do it, you know, 
a little more, a little less here and there, but stay on top of Twitter, especially because that's where we'll find that. Our store envy page can hook you up with some great merch. Of course, you can listen to the show anywhere your podcast can be found. If you listen anywhere that has a rating system, especially over on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star review. That helps us out huge. We'd love to hear a comment. What do you love about the show? What more do you want to see out of the show? Uh, absolutely, positively. So definitely stay connected by all of those means. If you are live on the Twitch as well, um, and you want to help give a little extra investment to the show, we would love a subscription, uh, which you can do by your own merit, or you can do through an Amazon, um, I was about to say Wish, Prime. How did I forget <laughs> that? Uh, Amazon Prime allows you one free Twitch, uh, Twitch subscription a month. Um, every month, if you renew that, that actually gives us some kickback. And all you had to do was click a button. Didn't even have to give us any actual of your own money. So that would be a huge plus for us on that end. A big time support. Uh, and also, uh, I'm, I'm just going to say it. You can edit this out, Jason, if you want to. Uh, but hey, tickets just went out for the final four in Minneapolis. If you're looking to get that going, if you're looking to make that trip, be on the lookout because we gonna be there. We're going. I'm just saying we're going. It. I'm that excited. <laughs> We're going to be there. We are. We I'm shall actually wash buying tickets. Yeah. We shall wash in all 10,000 lakes. <laughs> and, and we will juice up them Lucy's. We are going to be there in Minneapolis. I'm so excited. To check. This is my first Final Four. I, it's like a dream. Me room. too. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And I'm really excited. Yo. We've got tickets. We're planning on being there. Uh, so if you're pl- wanting to be there and you want to, to sync up and, and hang out sometime, let us know. We will be in the area. Keep us posted. And uh, we will we'll hopefully see all of you and, um, and some big action at the, at the Final Four this in is Minnesota. Be, this is already showing up to be a huge season, and I think it's going to finish off extremely well. Um, but yeah, a, a lot to be excited about. I think we have a, a good couple of, of months ahead of us. I'm hoping to get some W History stuff up and off the ground before too long. Probably not until the turnaround of the year, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but we're always looking to source some awesome content. It's a good time to be a fan of the show. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, we will be back with you here shortly with plenty of plenty more to discuss, but that's all the time we've got for today for WNBA Nation. I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Steve Schwarzman. And we got you next time.